Welcome back to another edition of the 615 Sessions Podcast. I'm currently uh, hiding out in the Titans media room uh, while Teresa Walker raids the refrigerator full of sandwiches that have been in there far too long. But we're not here to talk about food today. We're going to talk about the first couple of weeks of Titans training camp, and we'll do that with Teron Davenport of ESPN.com and our buddy Joe Rexroad over at The Athletic. Malik Willis, Traylon Burks, Caleb Farley, and a sneaky good competition that's emerging at the right tackle spot are all the things we're going to cover today. But first, got to tell you about who makes the podcast possible. That is, of course, our friends at Two Rivers Ford. They are the best in the business. They have been the best in the business consistently over the last nearly 40 years, since 1983. And it's because they make the priority customer service. They're going to make it as easy as humanly possible for you to go through the car buying process, no matter what it is that you're looking for. If you want to build your own, like I did, uh, with the Built For You program, you can do that. They'll manufacture the vehicle, and they'll deliver it right to your door, like an Amazon package. Or... If you want to check out any of their selection of new or pre-owned vehicles, they've got one of the state's largest selections on the lot when you go out and visit them. So, Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. Let's get to Joe and TD. What is happening? A live edition of the 615 Sessions podcast for the first time. Guys, I don't know how long it's been since we've done one of these. we got Teron Davenport, the OG. we got Joe Rexroad. Out here, we are broadcasting live from Ti- – well, live in the general sense – from Titans training camp. Boys, it's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to be actually in person as opposed to Zoom. It is. It's nice to be out here and on a day that's not completely wilting. No, we have uh, we have survived the first two weeks of camp, and we've learned a lot, I would say, um, about a variety of different positions on this roster – I think the conversation. What would what would you guys say has been the biggest theme of this week in all of our conversations with the players, with Mike Vrabel? I know there's a lot of different things that we've all been looking at and studying and seeing competition across the board, but thematically, it it would seem, at least from my standpoint, there's been a lot of focus on Malik Willis and his progress in this second week. Yeah, that's that's the big thing is Malik Willis's progress, and you have. Some of these guys saying, you know, he sucks or he's he's not good, and I think it's just, name names. TD. I, well, I mean, Jared Stillman, you, you know, saying <laughs> that he go. sucks. I mean, it's 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 PE, right? Premature. I mean, we're not going to finish the. You have to allow the process to actually happen. You know, it's just way too early to say the guy is not a good player. You're and, he just says P.E. That's just fantastic. <laughs> well, who's, who's the gym coach? Well, Mike Rabel looks like he'd make a good gym coach. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Coach Buzzcut <laughs> from Beavis and Butthead. But, no, all, all jokes aside, though, you have to allow him to develop. And you have to think about what's going on here. This is a guy who has so much bouncing around in his mind. And to ask him to come out here and, and – perform top-notch uh, football is, is a tough thing right now. But the finished product, I believe, is going to be a, a really good thing. Well, and Rex, it feels like it's trending that way. Yeah, I mean, I look. to stop every time I hand you the microphone. By the way, we're doing this all on vi- audio today. We have two mics for the three of us, and Rex keeps grabbing it from me. You're like Jim Nance at the podium. You're not supposed to give up the microphone. I'm interviewing you. It would be. It would actually be funny if this were on video. But <laughs> but yeah, it's been a Malik week for sure. And look, I, I mean, to me, uh, 
you know, TD, we talked uh, earlier this week uh, about, uh, you know, the seven-on-seven red zone period, Mm -hmm. um, which was a very encouraging period for him. You know, that same day they did two-minute. It wasn't as encouraging. I don't see anything that's shocking or surprising to me. It's it's a process. I don't know where it's going to end up either. But he does have some things in his favor. Every once in a while when he has to make a throw – into a space he can get it there like not too many guys can and td you brought up the point and i think it's a great point we're probably going to see it next week you know they blow the whistle when someone breaks a pocket right a quarterback's not getting touched like we're going to see what his ability to run the football and 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 make plays out of broken plays will mean in an actual football game it'll probably be a little bit uh, brighter view of malik willis at this point once we see that well, and I think that's kind of the thing that ceases, you know, for at least the audience, for the people listening to us today. I mean, I think practice ceases to matter for them once they see it with their own eyes. Like, they'll have their own preseason perceptions of things. They'll make their own assumptions about what's taking place in front of them. And the, with the actual mechanics of what's going on here on a day-to-day basis will start to melt away because then you'll have Stillman out here saying, "Yo, oh, he sucked against the, the Ravens, against the, you know, Tyler Huntley or – whatever the case may be in the preseason game. But this is, I mean, you know, I was talking, I was talking to somebody with the, with the staff the other day about it's, it's, I hate the cliches, but the day by day thing, it is never more tangible than at this time of year when you physically see the day to day progress Mm -hmm. that all these guys are making across different positions to run. Yeah. He talked about Malik Willis, that is, and even Pat O'Hara and Todd Downing, they talked about matching footwork to the processing and we got to see that earlier this week. Uh, they put him in a low red zone situational type of period. And lo and behold, the ball was coming out faster. He was processing it faster. He had what I believe is was his best throw at camp that day. He was on the opposite hash, and he threw it to the corner pylon to Terry Godwin. And those are the type of throws where I don't care processing or not – any type of struggles we have a guy that can make that throw with that type of accuracy and that force on the football that is something to build on so so that's the theme i guess let me just take over the podcast buck i got the mic so i just, i also think for me um like you said stacking days i was very interested uh, Traylon burks was a story from the start he's been a story yeah caleb farley a story from the start he's been a story and then, I mean, right tackle to me, I think, got real interesting here late in the week as well. But I feel like Farley got some humbling this week. And I almost feel like, you know, Friday, I mean, seriously, it was almost like they were intentionally picking on him, right? I mean, he's given up some plays. But I still think it's overall encouraging watching him day after day stack these days, uh, look as athletic and quick as he does with that length. And I think it's going to end up being a really good camp for him, and it's overall very encouraging. Same thing with Burks. And the right tackle, guys. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Well, because they had Petit Frere out there, for those who didn't hear Mike Vrabel's press conference today, Petit Frere got reps at right tackle today, which, I mean, it has it has felt like it has been Dylan Radin's job to lose and I think that's I think that's an important point, not just because like we've seen moments where Petit Frere has obviously endeared himself to the coaching staff. Lawan missed a couple of reps at left tackle, I think, earlier this week and as, as well as last week. Petit Frere just runs out there. Like they don't have to tell him to go fill in, he'll just go. That's the kind of thing that allows one, him to earn those opportunities and to kind of put Dylan Radins on notice, be like, hey, big fella, as we kind of as things settle in. And as you get more comfortable with your spot, just know it's not your spot yet. Don't you got to stay sharp. Yeah. You got to stay sharp. And I think, I, I mean, Mike, Mike, I think Mike kind of acknowledged that today. Yeah, and even Luan acknowledged it too, where he said that Petit Ferrer is 
one of those guys that's not like a rookie with his grasp of the playbook and his maturity level. And uh, that is something that you see. And that's exactly why you got to see him working with Tannehill and, and, and that top unit. And that's the only way you're going to really see a true evaluation anyway. You want to see it be as much apples to apples as possible. And that's why they flip-flopped him. So that was a positive thing, being able to see that. I, I also, though, and I don't want to overreact to uh, snap here, snap there, but I watched him closely going against Landry. I mean, he had on one a play, uh, the punch he had absolutely knocked Landry. I mean, like you can see all the tools for him to be a really effective player. I, I was impressed. I was impressed enough with how he played to think, yeah, this could uh, this could really be interesting. Well, but that's kind of the thing, right? Like, they just got to clean up some technical stuff. They got to make sure that he understands how to keep his balance properly, as we saw some snaps uh, of him at Ohio State and moments where they felt more comfortable moving him from left to right or right to left based on the opponent or where the you know Big Ten defenses were trying to take advantage of that Ohio State offense. I, I think that's probably one of the more under-discussed elements of this camp is petite fair because we've just now started it's just now started to materialize in ways that are maybe not clear and obvious but ways that are tangible ways that people can see and now process and understand okay the skill set of one versus the other I also think Roger McCreary and Caleb Farley as the outside corner spot I think that's kind of an interesting thing to kind of keep tabs on because I mean TD you speak to this better than anybody McCreary was an outside corner at Mm -hmm. Auburn right Molden in the slot, who's missed, I mean, about a week of practice right now. I think yeah, the last week, time we saw him was fourth, in the – Fourth practice he missed, yeah. In the bubble was the last time last Friday when we saw him. I think for for what Molden did in college, he was asked to pressure at Washington. He was sent on blitzes. He's a very critical part of their zone exchange pressures that they like to do with yeah. David Long and Elijah Molden where – fans freak out because you see Harold dropping a coverage you see Bud dropping a coverage but still it made them hugely effective in against teams like Buffalo because it made Josh Allen have to think at the snap just because he saw something move differently I think that when people see Molden not practicing I think they automatically assume that McCreary is going to push him for that spot but I think the skill set of those two players and what we've seen them do I think that lends itself more to the outside for McCreary yeah I think McCreary is a better outside player but the thing, the bonus that you get with him is he's so versatile, he could bump inside and play. But for me, the big difference between McQuarrie and Molden on the inside, Molden's a much more rugged player. So when you want to be able to go in nickel and still defend the run, you could probably do it with McQuarrie, but Molden's going to come up and feel like a linebacker. Molden's going to come up, and you could use him in the blitz game. Molden, in my opinion, is the best nickel they have. But for McQuarrie, it was just a blessing that Buster Screen retired because that just opened up a wide door for him. And I think when you look at Fulton and Farley and just the way injuries have kind of you know been a part of their pitcher, that pick of McQuarrie at 35 was a critical one because now you could have one of those guys maybe drop off for a snap or two, bring McQuarrie in, and you're still – I'm not going to say you're not missing a beat, but you're still getting outstanding coverage. Very excited to tell you guys about a new partner we've got on the podcast, Superbook Sports, the newest sports book to go live here in Tennessee from Nashville to Knoxville and all around the country. Superbook Sports is your place to wager this football season. You can get in on all the action of every pro football game, plus 
You can bet which team will win the title, who's your MVP, and who will surprise in the SEC if college football is your game. You can wager on all that and more right now at Superbook Sports. Along with football, Superbook accepts wagers on every other major sport. So, bring Vegas to the palm of your hands. And now, Superbook will will match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000. No matter if the bet wins or loses. It's a great deal with a great sportsbook and a very, very clean and easy-to-use app. Get in the action right now with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Well, it, yeah, it looks like a, a a good situation for a fourth corner for sure. I've been mostly really impressed with McCreary. I guess I guess I wonder from you guys, do you think he can actually compete with Farley and take that spot, Bud? You're Bud. I just called you Bud. Bud Buck. You're. It is it is Friday afternoon. Friday one fifteen at this point. We've all been out here for far too long. Not in the sun though. It's been very fairly favorable. I mean, I I think his best opportunity to to have a I mean, he's going to play. Like we know, he's going to play yeah. in some in some kind of defense. And to get caught up in starters is is I think a little arbitrary, more arbitrary than than fans want to make it right. And it's not you know it's not an indictment of fans. You see what you see, and you associate with what you associate with. There's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, I think his his opportunity is far better on the outside. I think he could legit push Farley because what we see from Caleb, a humbling a little bit today. But still, him, you see where he's improved on the technique. You see where at least he's more comfortable with, with what's in front of him. Roger hasn't had any kind of, like, it hasn't felt like there's been any acclimation process. Shane Bowen said it himself, Rex. Like, yeah. this guy's not a rookie. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, but I still think, look, I, I hear what you're saying about, you know, starters, not starters, whatever. But the bottom line is, you know, you want to have someone that you know is going to, and when you're talking about young cornerbacks, I mean, you want continuity, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. do have to make choices. Um, I don't know, man. I just, I just, I know that Farley's had a, I guess not a great week at times, you know, they, he's given up some plays. I just, I'm, I'm kind of enamored with what he brings, uh, to a side of the field. I, it, and you can see now to me why they were enamored with him when they drafted him. Well, I think the thing we really forget about, and I talked to Anthony Midget about this, the DB coach, Farley's gifted very gifted the traits are all there the one thing he doesn't have is experience like we got to remember this guy's only played corner for for two two and a half years right he has 26 starts going back to what 2019 2018 something like that half of those right receiver so what you're seeing now is clearly not a finished product but the fact and that's why i think preseason for him i would trot him out there as much as possible that's an interesting Point. And, and and make it known to him, look, man, I'm not putting you out there because I, I, I want to see you compete for the spot. I'm putting you out there because I want to get you as familiar with this position as possible so this way things will start to be second nature and you can use your traits instead of thinking and trying to put stuff together. You could just play. But will Rabel do it? I, I don't know. Uh, unlikely. I mean, you said you doubted Teron. I doubt. I agree. I mean, he. They, we've. We, when's the last time you seen Derek take a team snap? You know, like yeah. they and like Derek and Farley are different things. But Derek Henry, of course, is who we're referencing. But yeah, like the bubble wrapping has already started for the players. And I listen. I get it. Like you, we had their first injury instance today of consequence. I think with Dylan Cole, where we saw a player go down on the field. Yeah. Um, you're always cognizant of that. They, we've heard the line a million times. You're, there's a 100% chance of injury. But, I, I mean, to, 
to your point, Teron, he just needs to make up for lost time, and the preseason would present a valuable opportunity for him to do so against competition that would also allow him to build his confidence because you're not it's not Lamar and Brady and Kyler who you're going to see in the preseason they're quarterbacks who are going to allow you to capitalize on some bad reps and allow you to maybe make a mistake but also be able to over, overcome it based on how you perform a technique yeah and I think the good thing for Farley is his strong mental makeup Every time you talk to him, he'll, he'll tell you, man, I, I, I'm fully confident in myself. And you need to have that, especially as a corner. So the thing also that you have to consider, like I said, the inexperience. Roger McCreary got a day off before Farley. Mm. I mean, McCreary was off today. Farley was out there. So That is really interesting. Another guy, as I just take over your podcast, Buck, not you, Bud. You, you can tell you've been doing radio for so everybody, welcome back. Yes, I, I like I like holding the mic. It's kind of nice, old school. It's like the Lawrence Welk show. Um, you know, another guy who I really am intrigued by, and I don't want to overreact. <laughs> I don't want to overreact to this. And he's he's been the beneficiary of a couple busted coverages. But is Racy McMath the vertical yeah. dude? Like, is he the vertical guy? Oh my god, like the like deep ball guy. Seems like he's he, made. That's where he's made the most plays. He had the deep over today. Christian Fulton, you know, stopped one of his deep passes. He he cooked Farley. He cooked uh, Fulton uh, earlier this week. I think Rob Moore had a, a pretty funny quote when he said that McMav realized that there's not too many 6'3", 230-pound guys walking this planet that could run a 4'3". <laughs> now, I took that to him. He said, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm 220, not 230. I said, hey, <laughs> slow down, my man. I'm just repeating what your coach said. Yeah. But, you know, that is something that uh, – he said he wanted to take advantage of the opportunity, and so it's kind of like a, a sense of urgency is developing with him. But the, the cool thing is it's not just the deep catching that he's focused on. He told me he wanted to work on getting in and out of his breaks faster, which is always a problem for those long, lanky guys like, like him. So to recognize that and, and, and try to address it is a good thing. And he actually had a couple catches, you know, working his way back to the quarterback too. So when you could use that speed – to, to push the DB off you, throttle down, and, and, and come back to the quarterback on a comeback or curl or any of those type of routes is going to help you get open and be more effective. So is it is it Racy, Dez, and Josh Malone who are competing for a roster spot there? Because I think Racy's ceiling is super athletic NWI. Like, if they're, if they're to project, and projections are fairly useless. But, like – Seeing what we've seen from him so far, and clear and obvious development from a player at that position, is is that what we are? Is that kind of where the competition on the receiver end of things lies? Yeah, I think it's broken down into different groups, right? Because you got the Kyle Phillips, Brandon Lewis, and Mason Kinsey yeah. group. Then you got the outside guys. So I would agree, Westbrook Kinney, To your pleasure, Rex Road. Along I, with, I mean, you're, you're close enough to the mic. You don't have to grab it from me. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not an Indiana Hoosiers football homer like this guy. You're a child. You're right. a child. But, is but what I you think, are. I think NWI, Burks, and Woods, like those are established. But anything after that is still a fight. And so it's you got like six guys, four, five guys fighting for, you know, six guys fighting for three spots. So Racy, like you said, he he has trimmed down. I think that's clear, right? I think he's faster, not just better technically, but I think he's faster. So does that make him more valuable in the kicking game? Does that make him 
damn near a lock? I think it might. I, I'm with that because somebody's got to take the special teams reps that NWI is leaving behind. McMath's, I mean, that was yeah. the first intent that he was drafted right. here for, if you guys right. remember John Robinson's press conference. Yeah. And if he turns out that he's able to contribute on offense in, in down-the-field ability and as he kind of refines himself, I would consider Racy McMath the best chance of those three to make it. And I don't know that McMath got faster, though. I think he got confident. And when you're confident and you feel like you know what you're doing, you're going to run faster sure. offensive-wise. And I think that's what, what we're seeing. So I don't know that that a transfer over to him running down the field like the water boy trying to get somebody. <laughs> but um, He just looks sleeker to me along with figuring out the position. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's I – mean, it's hard to tell in the kicking game, obviously, yet. Yeah. Well, those, that's, the, that's the play speed type of stuff that we talk about with Vrabel so often. It's play strength, play speed, those kind of things. Are you playing faster because you're more confident and comfortable in the ability of what you've got going on? And I think Racy is a good example of that. And, I mean, the, the, it, I don't remember a time when we've had this smooth of a conversation, especially given all the Burke stuff in the offseason. Yeah. The wide receivers, I, I don't feel bad about them at all. I, even going back to 2017, Corey Davis, there was a little bit of dramatics around when he got here, dealing with whatever injuries he came in, and then, you know, things like how long it took him to sign his rookie contract, whatever. It was a slower play for Corey Davis. Um, A.J. Brown, it was not smooth sailing in that camp, not by any necessarily fault of A.J.'s, but because the quarterback situation was vastly different in camp in 19 than it ended up being in the in the years previous. This feels like the most smooth acclimation process for the core of wide receivers, for a new core of wide receivers, that at least I can remember. I don't know if I'm doing re recency bias on that, though, Rex. Well, I think it's best-case scenario. Woods. We haven't talked about Woods, but the guy's out here, and I know we got a day off, but I think he looks terrific, cutting, leaping for the ball, and you can see what a good player he is. We, yep. we knew that already. So but. sound. Yeah, he does everything well. Uh, Burks every day out there is, uh, I mean, you know, I, I guess he had a, are we calling today today? Are we calling today Friday? See, I'm saying, like, we're calling it Friday because they might listen to this on Tuesday. But today he had a drop that he's got to he's got to get that ball downfield from Tannehill. But I think that's his only drop at camp, right? That, I, I can recall. that I've seen. Teron, you've been charting this closer there, than I have. There was one, he was a little tired on a backside route. He wasn't able to get up as high as he normally can. Um, it was actually like right here across the, across the middle of Woodside. It was a little high, but he got his hands on it and it tipped off. But still, those things are going to happen. I, I think you can't – if you were to talk bad about Burks, you'll be really, really nitpicking right now because it's for the most part been all positive. Sustainability is my only question. And I talked about this a little bit on the radio show. Like, we have been blessed as far as training camp weather is concerned. It has not been your stereotypical – August in Nashville as far as air quality, as far as the – I mean, the humidity has been present, but it's a legitimate thing that it's been a more comfortable practice setting. Mm -hmm. And as camp wears on, as it does on everybody, physically, mentally, conditioning-wise, whatever, what the next narrative that I'm kind of curious about tracking for Burks is, okay, can this performance sustain yeah. in his first camp that way? And I think that's kind of the – which, if that's the most dramatic thing around trailing Burks right now, that's gravy, baby. You feel pretty good. Definitely. Teron Davenport, ESPN.com, talking with TD, the podcast. you got Robbie and Rex Road, 6 to 10 a.m. on 102.5 The Game, as well as all of – I mean, what what the hell are you not writing about on The Athletic right now? 
Um, baseball? Nashville SC. I'm not writing. That's true. I haven't written much Nashville SC. I'm also not writing about baseball coming to Nashville. Well, am I missing the boat? No, no, nonsense. It's a Ponzi scheme. Ponzi scheme. It was is what it is. And they're trying now. They're trying to tell me that they're going to build in my neighborhood in North Nashville. Get the hell out of here, Music City Baseball. Thank you, boys. Thank you. Get the hell out of here. All right, sir. Good job. Thank you.